This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 147. Derek Chapman on highlighting hypnotic change. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Welcome back. It's Jason Lynette here with a content-packed conversation with Derek Chapman. Derek is from the Grimsby area of the United Kingdom, and I first met Derek as the way things go in 2018, first interacting on Facebook. He was one of the attendees at the uh, course that I did with Sean Michael Andrews out in Vegas in March 2017. And just from the first interaction, seeing that Derek, as I like to say, is a true hypnotic worker, someone who you're going to hear his origin story in this conversation. Someone who utilized the process for his own change, the hypnobug bit, and then jumped in with both feet, the entire body, into an incredible career of helping others. And you're going to hear the passion in the dialogue here, exactly as to how more than half of the clients coming into his business these days are coming in directly by way of referral. And let me give you some points that I want you to be listening for in this conversation that we can talk about our pre-talk in terms of how to dispel the myths and misconceptions of hypnosis or rewind back to episode number one of this podcast series where I talked about my all-positive pre-talk, which is that we can also use our pre-talk to condition the client for a more successful experience. Though understand we can apply this pre-talk principle on top of even this change strategies we're going to use inside of our client sessions. So Derek, in the shape of talking of timeline therapy, gives the beautiful pre-talk metaphor of something like Google Maps, or even I'd imagine more so Google Earth, that you're able to zoom in and zoom out and change that perspective rapidly. And just that little bit of a nuance suddenly allows the process to become much more streamlined, much more effective. The title of this conversation, we decided to call it Highlighting Hypnotic Change. As we jump in with full focus towards this idea of testing your work, getting that feedback, and specifically his language around, you'll notice the change grows even stronger as other people comment upon the change. That's a paraphrase, he said it in an even more beautiful way, of building these little seeds along the way where the client is going to be noticing their change process. And I'll give a quick plug here, of course, for his his information as well as his product, The Anxiety Wheel. Head over to DC Mind Coach, as in Derek Chapman, mindcoach.com, dcmindcoach.com. You'll see more about Derek and his services as well as his Anxiety Wheel program as well. I'd also encourage you to head over to hypnoticworkers.com. This is my entire digital all-access pass to my hypnotherapy training library, talking about strategies for change, talking about strategies for enhancing the hypnotic experience, as well as giving you full, unedited client sessions from start to finish. We don't need any more scripts as hypnotists. Instead, what we need are transcripts, and that's why nearly every single word of hypnotic workers, not just the client session demonstrations, but even the teaching mechanisms as well, to actually see the specific language. It's not about the magic words, though kind of going back to this conversation you're about to hear with Derek, sometimes having just those right magic words at the right moment, having the right metaphor at the right time, 
that's what set this sets this up for outstanding success. So with that, let's jump directly into this phenomenal conversation. Derek, thank you so much for joining me on this program. This is session number 147, Derek Chapman on highlighting hypnotic change. I think I've always been interested in, well, since about 1985, I was studying self-help books. I never came across hypnotherapy as such till about another year. I was reading Banda books and uh, Tony Robbins courses and stuff like that. Um, then I came across um, an advert. Um, it was to lose weight. So I, I, I thought, I'm putting on some pounds here. Well, this stuff really works. I, 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 my mind was open to stuff because I already read all these self-help books and stuff. And then I saw a hypnotherapist called Susan Rosala in London, who's still practicing to this day. And it worked really well for me. And I thought, this is amazing. So that was in the back of my subconscious mind. And 30 years later, basically, I was um, in a market. Well, I've done lots of things. I've been in the forces and uh, in marketing for the last 15 years, working full time. And I fell into it like a lot of hypnotherapists. I've heard your podcast say that it just sort of happened sort of thing. It's some sort of, I don't know, mystical, magical calling or whatever. And I went away for this weekend. It was called Be Your Potential by Joseph Clough. And I was selected from the audience. Um, they said, does anyone here uh, feel that they don't, um, they don't feel good enough? And I thought, ping, something in, inside me sort of really sort of resonated with that. Does anyone feel they're not good enough? Uh, does anyone feel they want more confidence? I thought, well, that's why I'm here. And they said, um, does anyone want an undeniable process to let all that, that garbage go? And I thought, yeah, I'm up for this. And I put my hand in the air and I thought, oh my God, I put my hand in the air now and there's like a 60 or 70 people in the audience. Now what do I do? Because I, I, there I was, I was quite unconfident. Um, and I use that story for my clients as well. Um, then I went to the stage because they selected me from the audience. Uh, then I thought that was my biggest nightmare now because I'm facing like um 120 of these eyeballs that are staring at me. And Joseph Clough said, just close your eyes and relax. And I always remember closing my eyes and uh, saying, it's easy for you to say. And as I closed my eyes, a, a bead of perspiration was on my forehead. My hands were shaking. I basically heated parts integration on me. And I, and I immediately changed. It was like a, a night and day sort of thing. And the person I used to be, it was like, it was crazy. I mean, I felt really good in myself. Um, all those parts were aligned, if you like. And I had such a buy and it was amazing. I mean, the people after that course came up to me, 17 people, I counted them in, in a row, sort of said, well, you look so much more confident now and or you, or you, you look so much more approachable. I thought if somebody else says that, I'm going to hit them because it was almost <laughs> like a, a, an, an insult sort of thing. It was getting out of hand. So anyway, um, I went back to my job because I was still um, full time and I thought, yeah, I can change things now. So I tested it out. So I, I like to test things out. It's, so I thought, this, this is quite good. So um, I thought, let's, let's see if we can do this. So I went to, I booked myself on three seminars because normally I'd, I'd be panicking about seminars. And I wasn't, I didn't have any sweaty hands. And they, were, and they were fine. And then um, I booked myself on another one and another one and everything was going great. Then I asked my boss and said, by the way, I think it's about time I had a pay rise. And he sort of backed away in the chair and said, how much do you want? <laughs> and I, I got, it was crazy. Uh, and I thought this is really good, but I mean, I was in some some place. I it was there was no challenge there, you know. Um, so that same year, I booked on um, Joseph Clough and Paul Clough's course to do NLP and hypnotherapy. 
it was like a, I think a 10 or 11 day course, took time out on holiday, I didn't tell anybody I was doing this at work and uh, I came back and I'm one of those people who, who just does it, I don't mm-hmm. question it, I think if you question it too much, can I do this and that sort of stuff, you you can hesitate too much and never actually get, get yourself off the ground, but I just did it and I, I, I became a natural because um, even though today a lot of people on that course haven't actually made a career of it, I think I just, I just, I just really enjoyed it and I, I'm just myself. I, what um, sets me apart, I think, a lot of people say, is because I'm down to earth. I tell it like it is. I don't put no airs and graces on. I work from home, and uh, it's not a job. I think if I had a, to go to an office, um, it would seem like a job. Excuse the old thing. People are trying to contact me. I don't know how to turn that off. But, um, you know, and, and now, you know, after three years of doing it part-time, um, I thought, yeah, because even part-time, um, Jason, I was seeing like um, – five clients on an evening Monday to Friday then the weekend I see like 10 it was going crazy so I was seeing like um 20 clients a week part-time and working a full-time job and I'd done that for like three years and I thought well it also as I was training because I'm a bit of a hypno junkie as well mm-hmm. um you know you get those those people I was actually going to find a cure for that you know I sort of joke in in Facebook groups I, I've, I've found a cure to conquer people of their hypno obsession because you can get really obsessed in this i think when people <laughs> it, it becomes so obsessed isn't it? it's crazy i mean you know your partners really suffer i think oh god here he goes about hypnosis again that's all i get you know yeah, yeah. it's like a, it's, it's not it's a vocation it's not like a job you know i wish I, and this year i'm gonna cut down the courses because i've worked out i've spent about well i did spend i spend about thirty thousand pound a year on my training mm. and that's like about so i worked out i think um felix economist he, he was on there he did 150 i think so i I'm I'm slowly going to cut back on that and um, have a sort of a work, more of a work life life balance. I'm, I'm just I'm hearing to... in the back of this tone. It's like I can stop if I want to. It's not a problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's even when I go on holiday. It's like I, I carry on doing the same thing. It just you know I came on the holiday. Uh, uh, I was in Bangkok a, a few months ago, and the waitress uh, said, "What do you do for a living?" Oh, I'm a hypnotherapist. Oh, I suffer deeply with anxiety, and I thought, well. Quick process, and she's and she's fixed as such. And then I do my calibration because I was calibrate. I'm there for like ten days, I think it was. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm good, thanks, great. Yeah. And I, I introduced her to my anxiety wheel course, which I got online now. And she she did that, and she she did me a glowing result. So I, I always use, you know, that's how I get known because you know you give something away, you get something back. Um, getting back to the story, so after three years um, full time, I decided to go. Sorry, full time working uh, in my marketing job. I decided to go full time as a hypnotherapist, and I've done that now for when was it? Uh, last year would have been, I think, twenty seventeen. Yeah, twenty seventeen. So I, I've been doing it full time since then. And my accountant, no, sorry, twenty sixteen. And my accountant, after after I think it was about eight months, said, I think you need to go limited, which is like a public limited company over. I don't know what it is in America. Mm-hmm. Was it was it over there? Something like that. Yeah, often the times the difference between um, the simplest one is the difference between being taxed as a sole proprietor versus now. Uh, yeah, you can, which an LLC is often taxed the same way, but I'm technically now an LLC, which is taxed as taxed as what's called an S corp, where basically yeah. you're an employee of your own business. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm, that was only after about eight months he advised me to do that because yeah. I was make, making so much. You know, I was seeing, making so much money. Which, side um, note, uh, ne- neither of us are professional accountants or lawyers. Chat with yours. But again, exactly. oh, my God, it's such a tax savings. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it is, yeah. Um, so things are going really well. I'm, you know, like I say, I've, I've done 
it, it is an obsession. I've been trained by even yourself there. I mean, Joseph Clough, I've, I've, a few names of people I've, I trained with was Joseph Clough, Barry Thane, Bob Burns, hat off to him. He was the first guy that said to me, you should charge for those consultations. He said 20 quid and I'm, I now charge 30 pound for a consultation. Mm-hmm. Um, James Tripp, Melissa Tears, Kevin Lay. In fact, I use a lot of Kevin Lay's work, um, Sitap. Yes. Yeah. Jürgen Rasmussen, um, the hand drop. I've still got a fear of that if you're listening, Jürgen. Um, Sheila Granger, Carl Smith, who's actually a mentor of mine as well. Uh, Stephanie Con- uh, Conkel, I use her protocol. Basically, just talk to the client's unconscious mind. That now, hey, isn't that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Martin Stig Peterson, Ines Simpson, and of course, Jason, uh, Sean Michael Andrews. And I'm, this weekend, I'm doing another course that's that uh, Steve Blake, Old Pain to Go. Yeah. Yeah. Which has proven very pop- popular. And um, Ke- Kevin and I are scheduled to record later this week, and uh, Stephen and I need the schedule. So uh, keeping it yeah. all in house, as it is. <laughs> let let me ask you this though, because there's yeah. there's a story that um, I forget if I've ever told this here, and I think I may have brought it up on. There's a program I did a while ago all about how to learn hypnosis, how to be a good hypnosis student, which the brief version of the story is that I had hosted somebody for a training in my local uh, office. And like 20 people in the room, 18 are raving fans. This was incredible. This was life changing. And Mm -hmm. two were going, I didn't learn anything. And it was really me being able to identify, okay, the student brings a lot of responsibility to the course that, Mm -hmm. you know, the more refined you are, you're, you're someone who is working actively. You're someone who is constantly at this and improving what you do. And it's from this perspective, we don't need the entire course to be transformative. Yes, it's great when it is. We often just need like that one or two little tweaks that's going to make every bit of a difference inside of it. So you mentioned back to that original course where now you're the, let's call it out, you're the star student who's actually out there and doing this stuff. What mm-hmm. would you say? What would you say it is within you if you can unpack it? That, that creates that thirst for knowledge, that creates that passion to learn more, but more importantly, creates that drive to actually put this stuff to use. Fear. <laughs> yeah. Fear, fear is the greatest motivator to learn more. It's like you can do these courses and yeah, great, I've got it all on the belt. And uh, it, it's the failure aspect. When, you, when it goes wrong, oh my God, that'll motivate you to, to go to another course and another course and another course. You know, and that's really motivated me because I've had so many failures that I'm real. In fact, today's Facebook post was uh, something I got from Kevin Lay's. Success is a lousy teacher. It seduces smart people into thinking they can't lose. Yes. And that, that really resonates with me, you know, because you can get that thing. You get, oh, yeah, things going great. But suddenly you get the client from hell. And, you know, I've like you were saying there a minute ago, what makes you, the training uh, you, you've done sort of work well? I think when you adapt it to your own your own way of being, you know, you, you, and when you do that, you can just distill things from things, you know, like you do. I said, I said a lot of hypnotherapists, you should go and see um, Jason there. He's distilled hypnotherapy into a little bottle and there's the essence, you know, but you can do the same thing yourself and find those bits that really resonate with yourself. But also when you like when I do timeline therapy, for instance, like before I do that, if I tell two stories before that process, suddenly they get a fantastic result. If, if I if I um, show the clients how to uh, imagine the timeline and imagine they're going to Google Maps and they can zoom out of it. Suddenly, they can they can actually visualize in their own imagination little 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 tweaks, you know, right. to get good results. And because everyone can you know, relate to 
going on Google Maps and zooming out. And I told that to um, one of the, uh, James Trippin. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to take that because <laughs> you, 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 can, you can relate to it, you know? Yeah. And that was one of my biggest things. I'm like, oh, my God, so, some, like my hero, like James Tripp, said he, he's going to take that. It was like, I thought, oh, that's cool. <laughs> but, I mean, there's loads of little things I do within, within sessions as well. Even for, for me, the consultation is the biggest thing because sometimes, uh, well, I don't know, a lot of hypnotherapists out there, but I get change in the consultation. You think, yes. oh, God, that's, it. That, that's them fixed. But it's, it's because I, I think I'm so thorough. I do spend a lot of time on the consultation, not so much the client talking about their problem, but even like I got the one from you where you say, given this seven benefits of making the change and they just write these things out and they tell you exactly what they don't want to have happen. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, scrub that out now. Now what is it you really like to have happen as opposed to all that negative stuff. And that throughout the whole cons- consultation itself, it's almost like showing the client how they're doing this stuff. You know, the language they, they use can't hope and try. I say to them, remove that negative language because it's almost like swear words or all the other swear words that people tend to use is, panic and attack and put them together and my hands get clammy just imagine those two words because people give their own suggestions you know um and also also i, I do things like um i actually do hypnosis of myself as well which is isn't that bizarre i know yeah <laughs> yeah but, but I, I don't think anyone does or do they like a lot of people i've been hypnotized and that's sort of, what i use i use my own stuff on me so i've, I've got um a product out coming soon. This is not an advertising spiel, but there's like um, things uh, that possibly your listeners may may want. It's in the pipeline. It's like, um, have you ever had the client from hell? You know, <laughs> listen to that one. Mm-hmm. Had the client from hell, can't seem to let it go. Like with this recording, they can let go of the person that pushes the buttons, perhaps. Maybe they made you feel devalued, you know. So you've got to go back on that course again. And the aim of the recording is to help, help them feel empowered again i've also got a confidence booster you know prior to seeing clients you can feel upbeat get them motivated you know i love that i love that no it's where you know kind of unpacking some of the themes you brought up so far it's that Mm -hmm. there's too often i think people in our community who would say things because that's what everyone else says such as the oh Mm -hmm. i go to these conventions to learn um and yet to actually be the one there taking the classes and actually doing it as opposed to the um, just the more social side of often attending something. And, you know, even back to the, the, the keynote that I gave at HypnoThoughts in 2017, there was one theme that you just hit upon, which is there are moments where you absolutely need to read your criticism, moments where you need to actually take that feedback. But then there's also moments you've got to go back and just reread those testimonials to go, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, things are going well. This is what is working. And, you know, I, I, give you the sort of key phrase that I use for that theme, which is that you should always have a constant um, encouraging dissatisfaction with your success, <laughs> Yeah, yeah <laughs> which yeah. is that here's this great moment. Here's this great experience. Wow. This went extremely well. I pr- probably could have done it better this way. I probably mm. could have streamlined this section in that way. I probably could have arrived there a little bit sooner or even better as I like to use the one of, uh, I probably could have set that goal a little bit higher. Yeah, yeah. So it's the take that moment and yes, pat yourself on the back that yes, I'm doing all right. This is going well. Yet to see that there is a place for improvement. There is a place to refine it a little bit better. And I love that simple nuance of, oh yeah, if I just run them through this quick visualization before timeline, it just streamlines the entire process. Mm. There's lots of processes I do. I do the same sort of thing as well to, to make, it, make it work better. Because I know if I don't do that, somehow it won't work. You know, like tell me the story of... um for uh timeline that over winfrey story have you heard of that one no 
okay, so I tell a story about Oprah Winfrey's a true story. And so the client's got a buy-in because I said the word true. And I say that Oprah Winfrey put a lot of weight on. When she was putting loads of weight on, um, she was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I, I embellish it. That's what I got from Sheila Granger, if you're listening, because you can tell a few white lies if it gets the result. It's okay. <laughs> so I embellish <laughs> to get to get where you want to go. I embellish it slightly. So she's putting all this weight on because her husband had an affair with her best friend, and she sort of said, "Talk to the hand. I'm never going to forgive you." And she kept eating Krispy Kreme donuts at ten o'clock at night till two o'clock in the morning. She just couldn't sleep, and she kept on blaming her friend. And you know, I do use the odd. Um, bit of language that's um, down to earth. I won't do it on here, but because um, people respect, I think people like that because you're just a normal human being. That they go, oh great, you swear, and they got the permission to swear. Um, I think you mentioned it somewhere in one of yours somewhere. Yeah, my, um, mine is that as soon as they use it, which is usually pretty quickly, yeah. uh, I go, oh great, now I get to use those words too. But sometimes, sometimes I use it anyway, mm-hmm. which is like you know, a lot of people come to see me and I say they got a face like a snap bum, <laughs> and they and they usually laugh because I I, I do show people. People, pictures before and after they've changed you know so when I first did this I was like really the hypno geek who used to take pictures I will come back to that story in a minute about Oprah Winfrey it's almost like a nested loop isn't it or whatever yeah. you call it and it's like <laughs> but I mean um I show clients how um how they change so in other words it's almost like a setup I, I got a little bit of that from Innes Simpson when that she shows you know the clients how they do that stuff before the, the, the finger mm-hmm. idiomotor responses and I thought I can use that so what I did was it's probably prior to her, but I mean, I did take pictures of clients before. So there's a guy who had a real face like a slap bottom. And afterwards, it was like a, it was like a miracle. I said, listen, that, that photo is not showed um, Photoshop. There's, he's not using Botox. He's, he looks like uh, a lot younger. And he's free of all this stuff. And I said, he had, that, he had issues there. And I don't obviously go, go into them. I get permission for the client to use the photo. And they're quite you know, willing to have that happen. But look, there's a guy there. He's 49 years old. And he had issues since he was nine years old, and they've all gone. And it's not like putting a plaster on the problem, it's gone. You can just tell by his face, and I keep in contact with my clients as well. So they got a huge buy-in. It's almost like that, you know. I mean, I heard from somebody else, you shouldn't convince the client and stuff like that. But I am, and I get a buy-in from it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the over, back to the Oprah Winfrey story, uh, which helps with timeline timeline therapy is um when she's eating all this crispy cream donuts and she's getting bigger and bigger now she's waddling down rodeo drive and her best friend is and in, in her mind it's peeing down with rain but as you know in southern in southern california or wherever it is it's, it never rains so she's doing her own hypnosis anyway which i always say to clients who come and see me like I, I, i'm sure you mentioned that i just as well on your ones don't you you're doing hypnosis i'll show you how to do it better right yeah. And so I did the same thing on that. Um, and they go, really? And I'm, and I'm so strong willed. Yeah, you can use that strong will to help you as well. So anyway, a friend pops out on the, um, across the road and she's got a good vantage point from where she stood. She can see a friend coming out of um, that diamond shop, Tiffany's. And she's uh, slim. She's blonde hair. She's got a good figure. And Ophir and Fee's sort of saying fake hair fake boobs, you know, <laughs> fake personality, woman scorn sort of scenario. And you can see the clients, that I, I get the response to them. You, you, as I'm going on the story, you can see they're really getting involved in it, you know, especially women, because they can relate to it. Um, and then uh, this guy comes out from um, the store and proposes and, pro- and pro- proposes, and he's on bended knee sort of thing, and he's got this rock, and the rock's um, shining in the sun, this big diamond, and he's married, wants to marry this woman. And um, basically, um, she can see this woman, she's, like, really happy. She's gleeful. She's over the moon. She's in love. But Oprah Winfrey's really gnarled and really sort of quite peed off. And she's looking at this woman. And I think that 
she caught a reflection of herself in the in the in the shop store across the way, even though she sort of negated it from her her mind, even though she must have passed other shots. But she, people sometimes do that, like women get bigger clothes and they don't face uh, the fact they've got big. And she did that with her, as she rejected herself as well. She didn't really sort of stare at herself in the mirrors. And it was that first time she glanced at that woman. And, and the mind does this thing. It's like, you know, when I say the clients as well, you know, the brain doesn't cope on two things at once. And she had three things going on. One, she could see the woman was gleefully happy. Two, she can see her, how big she suddenly got. And three, she can see like, oh my God, the only person that's affecting is, is me because she's really happy and I've got really big. And I say it's similar to the timeline. You've got all this stuff going on in your life and you can choose to let go of it you want because the only person is was affecting was her, you know, she was the one who was getting fat and having a miserable life. And I said, it's the same thing you can do as well. And it's almost like a suggestion to the, their unconscious mind. They, they can let go of that stuff. It's, it's not, it's not a, it's not a choice. It's, it's not a destination. It's a choice you can make. And suddenly they just have those little micro movements. You know, those ones you see a client and you sort of, um, look at the whole body type thing as you do peripheral vision on them. You'll see something move. It'll be like a hand or a thing, you know, a finger or something. And you can say, oh, they've t- taken that one in. Yeah, yeah. And I think when you, you get, the more people you see, it's almost like you, you just know what to use. Like even on um, parts integrations, you, you know, that, that part, I was listening to your podcast, a couple, it was your last one about the uh, what process to use type thing. And the client will tell you exactly what it is. Yeah. Hey, one part of me doesn't sort of where you know that you're going to go with that. Like, exactly. And But with, with my parts integration ones, the, the, if, if it's one of those ones where they say, um, well, I just don't feel, you know, one part of me is this and one part of me is, if it's, if it's an unconfident one, well, I'm going to go into my spiel about that same thing I did earlier about going to that, um, I didn't used to be confident myself thing, you know? So you, you're getting great rapport with your client because you're basically talking their own language and they just, the, the faces, they're like, a, it's like I'm really sort of selling but not selling, which I think I mentioned in that email. This, that, that's how that course came about, you know? What you're doing there is outstanding that too many people would look at, uh, you know, I'm just going to talk to my client and gather the information. So now I can do the hypnosis, which no, the entire experience is that hypnotic intervention. And you're one of the strategies that you're using that I do, too, is that you're bouncing techniques off of them. Mm. And I love even down to the micromusculars to see that, okay, yes, something's being picked up here. Something's a fit. And. I'm sure along the way, the negative is also, it's a, it's a positive result, but there's even the moment where you're bouncing something off of somebody and you're seeing it's not a hit and that's yeah, telling you, yeah. I don't need to go in that direction. Mm. And you, you I, I know, um, even from the, well, the most important thing for me is the consultation because you know how it's going to go. In fact, sometimes the email, the, the text message, you'll know if they're going to be a great client or not, you know, or the one that this woman said to me on Friday night, can you cure me then? I said, I'm not Jesus of Nazareth, you know. <laughs> But I can show you techniques so you can, one, help yourself control the anxiety. How would that be? I thought you were going to cure me. Well, you can see where expectations are going to go, you know. Mm. I said, well, you've got the wrong person here, you know. I natural, and, and I was actually going to dis, I was going to say, I don't think we can actually work together. And her face, it was like, when you say no, I think a lot of people are too, oh, I need this client. No. I told her, sorry, I can't work with you. And she changed. I said, listen, the first thing they taught me in hypno school was there can only be one hypnotherapist in the, in the room. And I think you, you're, you're trying to control too much. And I say, are you trying to, you call me a control thing? I said, well, yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about that? She goes, well, well, I suppose I am quite controlling. Yeah. And I said, you want me to help you? Yes. Okay. We've got a deal then. If you can, if you can, you know, Take, take the stuff to suggestions I make to you, you, you can possibly get from where you want to go, but you're going to have to allow me to do this, you know. Like I think Bob Burns said this thing about, you know, 
hypnosis is a two-way thing. It's almost like strictly come dancing. We, if you've got a lousy dancer, you know, there's no way you can waltz. But when you allow it to happen and don't try and take the lead, but just a 50-50 share, you know, it's, 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 you put the onus back on them as well. Though don't I found, the magic wand. Yeah, I found there's a balance to that, though. And I tell you a quick story, which this mm-hmm. this goes a little in another direction of how I normally would work, but it's where, again, whatever you're reading off of the client is giving you the cue as to what's a fit that, mm-hmm. um, you know, with, without hyping it, I mean, it's the first podcast session in the series, the the all positive pre-talk, the way that I do it, yeah. it, it just simply lays out, here's what's going to happen, here's what you're going to experience, and I, I could reference, this is a couple of months ago, there's a woman who's in the office and the goal is to get rid of her um, sort of obsession around eating sugary food. She's adding processed sugar to everything. And I, I'm even seeing that the pre-talk isn't landing. And as mm-hmm. simple and as straightforward as that pre-talk strategy is, it's just not being absorbed. And something about it is making me realize, okay, this is that client. And, and I say this not never as a negative. This is that client who has an expectation that I am the hypnotist and I'm going to cure, I'm going to make things happen. And there's some level of that expectation. And I sidebar the the pre-talk just to look at her and say, and this is perhaps can be credited, I've used this line before, but I'm now using it even more. Um, thanks to people like Stephen Blank, thanks to people like uh, Anthony and Freddie Jackwin. And I just look and go, okay, so you're ready for me to take away that sugar addiction? Mm-hmm. And she goes, yes. Okay, good. Close your eyes. So to to see them where they are, to use a little bit of that expectation, but of course not to let that be the entire process because my my sloppy version of the dancing metaphor is that this is a dance and both of us are leading. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had a guy actually a couple of weeks ago who was an old chap who had hypnosis for smoking. And he said, well, I went to this hypnotherapist guy and he did it in one session. I said, well, I do it in three. He said, okay. I said, what did he tell you to do? He just, he just told me not to smoke. And I thought, well, there we go. That's, that's it. He, he wants some authority, you know, an authoritative way of doing it. So he came for drinking and my normal uh, three-part drinking uh, protocol went out the window. And I said, okay. And then on that state, you will not drink. You'll, and he was, he was going for it big style. You could see his hands were clenching and all this night. And you could, he, was putting, he was doing high fives. It was nuts. <laughs> he was loving it. I said, well, how'd you get on next week? And I checked. And he said, I haven't, dropped, done, uh, I haven't touched a drop since. And so I gave him what he needed, you know. Yeah. Otherwise, it'd be the three-step you know, three process or whatever. And he's over the moon. And I, I, did, I said, look, we'll do a two-step one for you. First one, I'm going to do a follow-up as well because I want to know it's all gone. And he's still cool. He's still not drinking. Yeah, I love so it. So I gave him what he needed. Yeah. So to ha- having known you for a while, knowing that anxiety is one of those things that you do some of the best work with. Mm-hmm. What is it that if 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 it's the client coming in? Let's kind of run through what I like to call the user experience. That a client is coming into your space, or even back to the initial consult. Mm-hmm. What what are some of those key components that you find to be vital in working with somebody and releasing anxiety? Um, basically to show them how they're doing it. Mm-hmm. If they can see how they're doing it, because people are in a hypnotic trance, they really are. I mean, a girl came on Friday night, she goes, you never get thought. I mean, everything is different. I don't do anything specifically the same, but it, it right. is down to one thing. There's, there are techniques I use in a consultation which are all pretty much the same, but I won't use all of them. But for her, she said, oh, my house is haunted. I said, okay, so your house is haunted. And I want you to relax your arms while you're doing this. It's the same thing, the A, B, and C, I call it. 
and there's a product out um i'm getting as bad as you jason there's a product out soon <laughs> no, <I'm> just... <laughs> and it's uh, called the anxiety wheel which i show people it's actually it's on facebook at the moment and basically if you relax your arms if anyone relaxes their arms and just imagine they can relax their their legs as well i say it's not hypnosis you're doing that already and just do this breathing so you breathe in for seven hold for seven and out through your mouth or nose for 11 very slowly and you're surprised if people do no that's what you're doing to do anxiety we can do the complete opposite you know so when you imagine something bad's gonna happen you're gonna tense your body you're gonna do some lousy breathing and you're gonna imagine the worst stuff that ever happened and the great thing about people with anxiety they've got the best imaginations in the world because you've already imagined the, the worst things that's going to happen yeah so for her specifically it's like i said okay so imagine you're in that home and i'll give you an analogy I think you do this a lot, don't you? So my analogy was this. Imagine you were, there's a, a woman who lived um, in a little log cabin, and that log cabin was miles away from anywhere. And she'd never seen Friday the 13th. She'd never seen The Exorcist or any of those horror movies. And she slept soundly. But then suddenly she saw the movie The Shining, or then she saw The Exorcist, and she saw Nightmare on Elm Street, or whatever. And then she's at home alone on that log cabin, and... Um, she hears on the radio, there's an, a mad axeman who's about 200 miles away from where the, where the thing is. Do you think she'd get a good night's sleep? And she, oh, no, I don't think she would. And that's what you're doing. I said, in, in your situation, it's like you, the body goes in this sort of cat-type scenario. It goes on the high alert, and you'll notice any slight thing in the room. I said, as you're doing your stuff now, just notice how you can notice it's going slightly cold on your right-hand side there. Because it's getting quite chilly in this room now. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. I said, well, it's not, but you believed it was. And she laughed, you know. Because that's the power of the mind. You can give yourself a suggestion. So what are you suggesting yourself about all those things in your house too? Because she said that in, where she lived, um, there was pictures falling off the thing and all this lot. I thought pictures falling off the well, the wall. She said, yeah. Did you hold them in place? Or something? Yeah, I put a bit of blue tack on. This was the story she said. And, and suddenly they fell off. And I said, have you noticed when if you go to some place and you, you tense your body, you, you're, like, you're like a cat on a on a hot tin roof as if you're expecting something to happen that's what you're doing you know i'm not sure i'm not saying the house isn't haunted or not but when you go to your mum's and you you feel quite relaxed there, there's still bricks and mortar as well it's still a house it's your meaning you're making on that house oh i see you know she's you know i'm getting people out their own way sort of thing mm -hmm. so that that was that was her specific but having said that though she's booked in to see me because but there was other clients who a young girl this this week who came with her mum and uh, really quite uh, those analytical types but she she didn't have, I saw her mum for a consultation and yeah that was it one consultation she got the job and she I don't need to see you I got the job got rid of that confidence thing and she brought a daughter on Friday night and uh, same thing happened like it's normally like uh, uh, father and uh, daughter but I suppose to mother and daughter I noticed that when you noticed that I love that aspect though yeah. of you know showing the client how well they can do it on their own yeah yeah that again if you can bring it up you can bring it down being a very powerful theme to bring into the process mm. yeah I use that one you do actually with that um what was it the control not the control room the uh, the ice the ice on the hand yeah you, um, uh, it's a glove anesthesia moment that I just nicknamed as playing with feelings but yeah yeah it, it's that moment of again and the theme that I'd share with this is that you've heard me say this before there's a again negative language used positively only ever go into battle when you're fully armed that I'm going to look to have that resource state. But there's going to be a moment where I brought up whatever the resource state ought to be, whether it's confidence, whether it's a kinesthetic numbing sensation, and then bring up that anxiety, bring up that fear, bring up that craving, bring up whatever the negative sensation would be. 
and then immediately this is just this collapsing of anchors moment of mm. and now bring that feeling in what do you notice now just to immediately take it down yeah 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 i, I use that a lot I, I use that with with a guy who did twitches actually and i brought it up he came here for exam nerves and it was it was third session i said by the way do you want to get rid of that twitch and I never, I mean, this, this is me being quite out there, you know, like I, like I, like I know what I'm talking about. And I thought, um, yeah, I think I'll give that a go. So he was quite, he was quite a good subject throughout all the other stuff. And he, he was getting great grades at school, apparently. So I've heard that or college. And then, I, and then um, he came back for the third session. And uh, do you want to get rid of that twitch? I mean, this guy had a hideous twitch. He was almost like Tourette's. He'd lean forward. He'd twist his body and stuff like that. He was 23 years old. And you can see the pain he'd gone through, I believe, because I mean, the girlfriends would probably laugh at him and sort of reinforce the fact because it was really that bad. And um, I use I use that technique you just mentioned there. And I said to him, try to get the twitch back now. Bring the twitch back now. And he did. And I thought, God, it's working. And I said, <laughs> and I said, bring it back again. So he did. Then I said, bring it back again. And he did another time. And I thought, okay, great. Now you brought that twitch back. You can take control of it. Mm-hmm. And I see his eyes doing this funny thing, you know, underneath. So something was happening. And I said, uh, and now just um, use that uh, ice and just nuke it away. He did it. Did it a few. I wanted to get it in there a few times, you know, over and over, re- mental rehearsing it, you know. And uh, he's fine now. I, in fact, I saw him the day for a topic because he was buying into some things about exams again. But he hasn't got the twitch anymore, which is really crazy. And that's like about two years ago. So it, it works. There's an aspect that you're bringing up there that you mentioned earlier that I want to come back to of uh, mm-hmm. testing your work. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us another story about how, you know, being in that process with the client and testing it to know that, yes, the result is in motion. Well, I, I – well – I test them while they're here, but then I also, the most important question is how will you know it's gone? And I really make a big thing on that. How will you know this is gone? There's a client who, um, who I helped recently. I put on this video as well. So it's before and after the process and it was a fear of flying. So how, how do you know that fear of flying has gone? Well, I have to go on a plane and test it. I said, no, you won't. Cause you're such a good hypnotic subject with her eyes open. This is all eyes open work. Yeah. I said, imagine your husband came through with the two tickets now to go to Las Vegas. How do you feel? Oh, I can't go. I can't go. I said, you're not on a plane right now. <laughs> okay. So after the process, quick thing. Um, how do you feel now about going to Vegas? I'm really looking forward to it. I can't wait. It's, it's really exciting. Notice the sight. Notice the difference. Oh yeah. Because I mean, strangely, when I see people, I also I give an analogy that when people are sat in the chair, they're the last people who notice they've changed. People notice they change before they do, which is really bizarre. In a certain, in a few people, in in fifty percent of the cases, I yeah. see. And so I, I I put that as a as a prerequisite as well. People will notice a change in you when they notice a change in you. Not when I say it. Not when you feel in that chair. But suddenly it will compound the changes that have already taken place. Give us that one more time. That's good. Okay. So when people notice the change in you, I, I say to them, okay, it's okay, you're changing. I know you feel quite good about this now too. And I feel quite good. Do you feel quite good? And I'm not saying you feel quite good. You tell me, because I always gauge things on a scale from one to 10, the, the subscale, significant units of distress. Where are you now? And where, you know, what's it like now? And they go, oh, feels good. And try to get the old thing back. They can't get it back. I said, I know you feel good about this and we'll test it and test it until, until the cows come home or get them to convince me it's gone. There's another cool way to do it. And are you sure it's gone? Because you had that like about two minutes ago. Oh, yeah. Go and try and get it back how it was, you know. But like I said to you before, I'll recalibrate, well, recalibrate, re-say that, that line again. When people notice a change in you, it will compound the changes that have already taken place. Nice. So when their partner says, oh, you look something different. And I also say like with mothers with kids as well. And this is one thing I found because I work with um, children. I work with um, parents and all that sort of stuff. 10 to 80, I call it. And um, 
the children notice first and the mothers change. And I, I, I say like, cause I've seen it from my eyes. This woman had, um, she came here once. She said, I'm a really bad mother. I said, well, how are you doing that then? She goes, well, I've got three kids. Uh, one's about one, one's two, one's five. And I said, well, really? And you, when, right, your husband, you haven't spoken about him. When he goes to work and I, I, he comes back about once a month. And I said, you're a bad mother. No, I don't think so. If you're a bad mother, you'd be in the pub, you'd be drinking. Perhaps you'd be, you know, getting other people to look after those kids. You already told me already that you wouldn't let anyone at those kids out of your own sight. So where's the truth in that? But she wouldn't buy into that anyway. So we let go of all that stuff. The timeline therapy did that. And I said to her, strangely enough, I said, when children, um, and she was on her own all day with these children, you know, one, five and six or whatever it was. And she was saying, my little daughter, she, I don't think she, she likes me. I thought this is going to be, she's going to be a stare crazy type thing. You know, it's, it's her own daughter. It was like the belief she sort of made on that because she was like daddy's little girl type thing. And she never spoke to this girl. She never spoke to the father. And uh, after the process, timeline therapy, I think it, we did with her in parts. Um, she sent me a text and she said, my little girl for the first time spoke. And she said, mum. And she said she wanted huggies. And she cried and she, it was in the text. And I thought, this is amazing, you know, because like, strangely enough, children sort of notice the parents change first. And I did mention that to her and I mentioned it to other people afterwards because I maybe kids haven't got that sort of thing, but they pick up on uh, vibes, let's say, with a person. If, if someone feels uncomfortable, they pick up on that vibe and they're sort of attractive. People feel quite good about themselves and they just know when people aren't, you know, and that's what I think what ha happened. And now she feels good about herself. All the child's all over and doesn't give a hoot about the dad comes home because mummy is the one now, you know? <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that weird? Is that, does that answer your question? I, I, don't, I can't. No, it I does. It, it does. Yeah. And it's that in the testing phase, we'd often put the expectation of they have to go through the entire experience to get the feedback, mm. which, yes, that is absolutely a vital case. I'd share a quick story that I, I used to be very active with the local chamber of commerce, and here was a mm. guy who cornered me in a meeting in a very, very loud way to go, hey, I've got a fear of public speed, a fear of flying. Can you help me with that? He had just been mm -hmm. promoted by his company and needed to fly more frequently. So we got together, we worked on that. And he's feeling great. You know, I'm actually looking forward to it now. I was actually looking at things to do on the trip rather than just, you know, sort of buckle down and realize it's going to suck for two hours on the plane. Because yeah. I'm actually now planning what I'm going to do on the plane. And since we worked together, he got promoted again. And mm -hmm. the new position on top of the other new position now no longer required travel. So it was about a year or so. And I, the, the only reason the story is funny is that I kept running into this guy who liked to boast, Jason got rid of my fear of flying so well, I haven't even had to fly. Mm -hmm. And I'm legitimately sending him an email one day or a, a phone call to go, hey, I just uh, I had booked travel for the NGH convention. And hey, I just booked travel to Boston and back. Can you believe it? Round trip was $88. And he actually Ooh. goes, what are you getting at? I go, just get on the plane. <laughs> yeah. He goes, I feel great about it. I'm like, I know, but you're the guy who keeps telling the story that Jason got rid of my fear of flying so well, I haven't even had to fly. Um, dude, take yourself out to dinner. And he, eventually he takes a trip on his own. Uh, but it's where, again, you find this experience where just in the expectation, they're feeling better. And I love the way that you're harnessing that in terms of bringing that validation. It's this method of, I, I say, highlighting the change before the change is even in place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when, when clients see other people change as well, oh, my friend recommended me. I mean, I, when the, I think when your question's thinking back was, um, how do you get clients and stuff? Well, I was actually uh, just doing some accounts the other day and uh, 
60% of referrals and 40% of maybe adverts I put out there, the occasional Facebook thing. Mm-hmm. And but, but the good thing is referrals, they'll refer you to the cows come home type scenario. Because I, I usually I do keep in contact with my clients and I'll send them the odd text, how's it going, that sort of thing. And it's free, you know, because I want to know how they generally do after, after they see me because I generally care. Okay, the money's great, but, you know, I do generally care about my clients, which I think comes across. Um, and people tell their friends and they tell their friends and the daughters and, the, and one time I've seen the whole family, you know, it's crazy. Um, this mother, mother comes through and she says, this is, this is a good analogy I, I use as well. She goes, she comes through, I, I want more confidence. I say, but you look quite confident. Uh, oh, so you're wearing a mask. Yeah. And I show them this little quick demo. That's from Jamie Smart, how people wear masks. I don't know if you're familiar with that, the diamond thing. Hmm. Familiar you know with this yet? work, but not that specifically. Yeah. Well, basically, I said to clients, I said, well, normally in life, there's, uh, you're born, you're authentic, you like yourself. But then what happens is um, crap happens. I make it as basic as possible and it goes on that diamond. So it dulls the diamond. You're not so bright or shiny as what you were before. You either buy into your stuff somewhere online, someone said, you're not good enough for that sort of thing, or you either water that thought or you can sort of kill it with a DDT and pull it out. But some people sort of water it and they don't even think about it, but sometimes something comes up and they make meaning on stuff. And then they've got this internal conflict and one part of them doesn't feel good enough because they're actually putting on this fake smile. Well, they want to be authentic, so it's like a push or pull. Does that sound like you? She goes, yes, how did you know? And there's, so I'm sort of speaking her language, you know, because I knew it is when they usually wear that mask thing, that's normally the, normally the case. Not all the times, but sometimes. And then after you let go of that garbage, yeah, the crap, you can become that your authentic self again. But I show them like a little diagram. There's like a little diagram I use. And when people see it visually, they get it. Um, then she was so enthralled and we did timeline for her. And I, she was, she said, when I came here, I felt like I had like baseball um, shoulders, you know, as baseball players wear. And, uh, but every time I did that thing, but it was the anger. I went, and got lighter, the sadness, the fear, the hurt, the guilt. And she never believes my husband's waiting, waiting in the car. I want to bring him in too, but he's a bit more skeptical. You know, he's, he's very skeptical. Well, he just was even more um, pro me than, than her. So I saw him as well. They said, my daughter, now she's, she's, uh, she, she should really come and see you. So I saw her and it's like, she had this thing whereby she, um, she feels skinny at parties and stuff like that. And, uh, everyone's staring at her and she's really panicking about her exams, highly intelligent girl, but worries and saw her for three sessions. Yep. She's fine. And she said to me, my brother, now I don't think he'll come and see you because he's like, he's really sorted. Me and my mum and dad, you know, we get a bit grumpy sometimes, but he's always so hyper and happy, you know? I don't think he'll come and see you. Anyway, when he saw how well the other three were, his mother said he wants to come and see you too. So that was the whole family type thing. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Before we wrap up here, I want to ask you a Mm -hmm. question just to hit some of the the business side, because especially that talking about about 60% of your clients are coming in by referral. um, Mm -hmm. And I'm sure the easy answer is just to do exceptionally good work. Yet, is there anything that you're doing on top of that to encourage these referrals, to motivate these referrals? There's no money, um, not yeah. really. There's no, there's no incentive for them yeah. to do it. Um, I think I give a lot. That's what it is. Um, they don't feel like they're a number. I treat the client like the client, basically. I, I treat, treat them like a human being. I don't, I'm not up there and they're down there. I'm on the same level. That works well. But I, I go the extra mile. I, I like to under-deliver, was it? Or that under, like, likely. Under-promise, yeah. over-deliver. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I do. I do. Uh, I, I send them uh, things after, even, I'll send them little things, you know, uh, little 
things that will help them through statements and stuff to keep them boosted up. And strangely enough, when I send that text, suddenly enough, they sort of say, I was just having a down day and that made my day better or something like that. Because I trust my instinct. When you trust your instinct, your own intuition, that's when you fly, I think. Because the only thing that stops people in life is that sort of negative thought, even the hypnotherapist, you know. So, yeah, when I trust my instinct and give them what they need, and sometimes I send a text out and it's like the right thing to say at the right time, and they go, right, yeah, this guy is nice, and they'll send your friends to you, that's all, perhaps. But also, the most important thing is doing good work, like you say. I mean, I've seen lots of hypnotherapists, and I say to them, I can, you can do this way, you can do this way and that way and all that sort of jazz. And they go, oh, really? And I say, yeah, okay. But it was only dawned on me about, it was only like three months ago, you've got to be good at what you do. And okay. by good at what you do is confident in what you do, believing what you can do, and just um, imagine you can't fail. That's a cool one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine if all this stuff's not real and you can just leave all that garbage out and the next client's, because the next client's due in 30 minutes now and I haven't got a clue what I'm going to say to him, but I know it'll go great. So you see yourself doing this thing good anyway. And it, it would somehow you're, your intuition will guide you, know the right thing to say, but if you've got that fear, fear is a great motivator, but it motivates you to take courses, but it also can motivate you to say the right thing as well, just to allow that, the, the accelerator, I call it, off, off the accelerator, and just be who you are, you know, take a deep breath in, you'll survive in the grand scheme of things, and just see yourself doing it. Trust your instinct, I say, is one of the biggest things, you know, your intuition, because people learn a lot of stuff, and that when you allow yourself to relax, it's almost like when you get into peripheral vision. That's why I work with the client. You know, I show them how to do peripheral vision as well. You know, stare at the walls and take a deep breath in. Now try to get your garbage back to how it was. Well, I can't because they're actually they're getting out of their own way. It's, it's almost like a living metaphor how they're doing this stuff. Because when they when they have that problem, that anxiety, that fear, they're actually in tunnel vision. If you can see your walls, try to get it back to how it was and take a deep breath. And they go, I see what you mean now. I mean, it didn't work all the time, but something will something will stick. You know. Yeah. The, the peripheral vision one, there's a little twist on that that I've been using recently, yeah. which uh, is almost mm -hmm. describing the difference in lighting that from a fluorescent lit room, which is very, you know, bland, everything is lit with the same quality of light uh, mm -hmm. to the pinpoint spotlight, which is now shining directly on just one specific thing. And it's that little mm -hmm. bit of a transition to do the reverse of what I just talked about. Of So imagine that moment now we're just shining a spotlight directly on that thing that's giving you fill in the blank, whatever the issue is. But mm -hmm. now imagine someone hits a light switch and now everything is lit the same way. So yeah. even to go back to the example of, you know, watching the scary movie, that here's this scene that they're lighting and this entire crew of technicians and director and actors are putting on this moment and the lighting is hitting it in such a way. But now imagine someone lean into a light switch and now everything is lit in the same way and you see every detail of it and then you laugh at it because it's fake. Um, just a little twist on that peripheral vision. Uh, Derek, this has been awesome. Where can, uh, where can people find out more about you online? Uh, DCMindCoach.com. Easy, easy web address. So Derek Chapman, DC Mind Coach, Delta Charlie, <laughs> mind as in mindcoach.com. As when you were first emailing me, I'm going, I didn't know this guy was local because DC is <laughs> Washington, DC. And uh, give us a... That was yeah. the plan, actually. I was going to move to D.C. at one stage. That's why it's going to be D.C. Mind Coach, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice little ambiguity, which works out mm. either way. And uh, where can people learn more about the Anxiety Wheel? Um, on, on the actual website, they go to the shop thing. They can purchase it there. I mean, it's uh, on special at the moment, 29 English pounds going up to 49 pretty soon. Mm. But it's good. I mean, a lot of hypnotherapists are actually buying that. Like, oh, my... First of this um, call today, you said to me, how's the anxiety wheel going? I sound really good. Most of the people are buying a hypnotherapist. 
which I find quite surprising. So now there is another course coming out for hypnotherapists and it's um, going to be in six weeks time. And there's a technique I've developed called the Russian dolls, which is I use it on myself because at the moment this is like a true life thing, how to, how to get out of your own garbage, but show clients how to do it as well. So I use it on myself. At the moment I'm going through some really challenging times with my parents and uh, my dad's got dementia and my mother says Kara and she's actually in DC at the moment in Washington DC and she just had a stroke like seven days ago now she's his main carer she's in the hospital uh, my sister's looking after and stuff like that so it's really harsh but how I how I cope with that is I use this technique on myself and it really gets you out of your own way you know and that's one of the things I'll be sharing with people and that'll be available in six weeks time there'll be a course coming out as well for hypnotherapists everything I've, I've learned I've, I've done the package in this is one course um, how to get timeline therapy to work well for you, how to do parts integration with that little twist as well. And all the things I use with the client in a consultation that makes it go the way you want it to go. And dealing with tricky time clients as well. Also, just, when you mentioned that, um, that scary movie thing, one question I ask my clients, can you watch scary movies? And the ones that say, oh, no, I can't. And I say to them, can you watch the making of a scary movie? And they say, oh, no, I can't. Now you can know you've got a tricky client. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. But you can still work with them too. Because the same woman who I said who said that, I said, uh, she said, when I leave my house, I've got to touch 175 objects. And I said, okay, before you come and see me, I want you to narrow those 175 objects down to three. What's your favorite ones? Favorite ones. Um, back door, front door, and window. I said, we'll do that. She came back for the consultate, the, the first session. I said, well, how many of those things did you touch? And she said, none. And my head didn't fall off. There you go. Cool. <laughs> no hypnosis needed. Dehypnotizing clients, what I call it. Jason Lynette here once again. And as always, thank you so much for interacting with this program, for sharing it on your social media streams, for leaving your feedback over on iTunes and Stitcher, iHeartRadio and YouTube and everywhere else that this podcast is available. Once again, check out Derek's program, The Anxiety Wheel, by going to dcmindcoach.com, as well as checking out hypnoticworkers.com. It's the all-access pass to my hypnotherapy training library, more than 90 hours hours of training content in an ever-growing library, and you're able to get access for just $47. Or if you want the hands-on live experience, join me live in the room. Head over to WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. That's where you can find all the details of my upcoming trainings. That's at WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. It's Jason Lynette. Look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, at WorkSmartHypnosis.com.